Good morning. Good to see you all today. It's beautiful out there, isn't it? The only thing I know is that that keeps people from going out and traveling, so but I get that. I guess on the west side, it's pretty bad. One of our gentlemen that was going to be baptized today, which we are going to be doing a baptism right after service. <clears throat> so I'm going to keep my sermon uh, as tight as I can, but God has some things he wants to say today. And so right after service, we have some people that are going to be baptized. And I want to encourage you. I know you want to get maybe the road. I get it, but please stay. These are people that are going to do something to show what God has done in their lives and done in their heart. So it's important that we're here to be a part of that. And so uh, there you go. We are in Ephesians chapter 5. We are in the second half of chapter 5. Um, and uh, just so you know, uh, they didn't just hand me this piece of Scripture. I asked for it. And I asked for this piece of Scripture because in this church I have the blessed opportunity to do a large portion of the counseling that goes on here. Um, I feel like it's a gift that God's given me. You may have counseled with me and say, I don't think it's a gift. I don't like what you said. That's okay. <laughs> that is completely okay. It happens sometimes. But I believe it's a gift. I love it. I love being able to sit in a room. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's kind of funny, and I want to throw this out to you. I'm speaking to all of the married couples that are here online. Maybe your marriage is great. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're thinking about getting married. And this is a good point to have uh, to, to study God's word and understand what it says about marriage. But it's funny because sometimes I will do marriage counseling and they'll come in and sit down and we pray and we kind of set the standards and, and what we're going to do. And I may say like a little, there's been a couple times I've only said like maybe three sentences. And the two people that are sitting in my office talk like they have never talked before. Maybe because there's a safety or they think that there's a referee in the room, but they have a communication. Can I tell you that's one of the biggest problems in marriage? Do I hear an Amen. Lack of, commu of quality communication. We can have a lot of reasons that cause divisions among us, but it's, it's, if, if we stopped every time and from a godly perspective came together to talk about it and to discuss it, we wouldn't have the problems we have. So, and again, godly perspective underneath God's leading is Holy Spirit. But I have people come in and they've gotten up and they've gone, thank you, Pastor Tracy, you did such a great job, and they leave, and I'm like, I didn't say anything. It's all God, and that's just awesome to see that. But I can tell you that, that uh, I, I, what often happens in the counseling situation that I have is there is an imbalance in the marriage relationship. Something is not biblically correct. I will tell you that I say uh, in, in, in a marriage, this is the way, there, is, there, are, there are relationship steps. The first, most important relationship in a marriage is with there you go, is with God. If you do not have an active relationship with Jesus Christ, good luck. I mean, really. I cannot be the husband that I need to be. I can't be the pastor I need to be. I cannot be anything of quality unless I first have that relationship and I spend my time with the Lord on a regular basis and I have an active relationship with him. So if you're here today and you're like, well, I don't have that, well, you can have that before you leave today. The second most important relationship is with my wife. I'm, I, she told me I am not allowed to point to her today. But I'll say that she's in this section towards the back on the right-hand side. That's the most important relationship. Next, doesn't matter if you have kids. Even if you have kids, that's not, they don't come in that spot. And unfortunately, sometimes it gets flipped. It gets flipped in there because there's an imbalance and things aren't happening. We're going to talk about those, of what God's word says, but it gets flipped. And so now the kids take the place of the spouse, and that is not okay. It's not. And if you're finding yourself in that place right now, you've got to stop. You've got to, you've got to stop. You've got to repent. You've got to back up. We have to change that. We have to put that in the right perspective. And then it's the kids. And then it's everybody else after that. So you guys don't get those first two spots or three spots. In, my, in, my, in me, I, it's first my Lord. It's second, it's my wife. Third, it's my kids, my grandkids, and then the church, because that's really where I'm at my best when I have given my best to those things that God has put before me, amen? <clears throat> so usually there's an imbalance. You've stopped. Coming to my office, usually it's somebody, most generally it is both, who have stopped walking according to the clear leading of God's word. Can I just tell you that? If two godly people come before me, usually there's not really much of a problem. 
Maybe they're working through an issue. I've rarely had that. It's usually there is damage being done, and it starts with the husband and wife not walking according to God's word, and then it drifts often to the rest of the family, and then you have kids doing things, and you're wondering, why is my, why is my household in chaos? Why are these things happening? I'm going to back up a little bit. What's not functioning correctly? And the, you, you know, that, the marriage relationship, our kids need to see that. Our kids need to see two parents who love the Lord with all their heart and love each other and show it and act like it. It got quiet in here. Amen? <clears throat> so oftentimes I, I, that, that's what, I, what, I, what runs into is this bad effect. Barry, you don't have to get offended and walk away. You don't have a wife. Right? <clears throat> but we're praying for one for you. Now, I, I want to do something, if you, if, if you will humor me for a moment. I want to, and I do this sometimes in counseling, but I haven't counseled with all of you. I would like to qualify myself a little bit, and not as a counselor so much as that sometimes people can look at a pastor or a leader and go, well, you guys, what do you know? You know, you're perfect. <laughs> I am so imperfect. We're so imperfect. You're imperfect, Pastor Jim. Yeah. I, I was more looking at your wife to say yes or no, but Okay. We are not. We are human beings just like you. We've been given a task. We have a mandate in front of us that's very strong if you're any kind of leadership in this church. But we are not perfect. So oftentimes I'll share a little bit of, of our testimony of Kelly and I as before we jump into this because it is also a testimony of what God can do. Um, we we uh, got married in 1991. And uh, I'm just going to say right now before I start, my wife is the most gracious person I've ever met because I know what she's had to put up with for me. I'll probably cry, just so you know. But in the first few years of our marriage, it was not good. In fact, if you'll ask my wife, and it's not to her to bash me, but for her to talk about what God can do, she will tell you this exactly. Years four, five, and six were horrific. Uh, We were were involved in in ministry already. I was already acting as a pastor. Um, I was at school, we were working, we had no money, you know, I remember those days, we had no money, we were poor, we had kid, a couple kids, things were very difficult and they were very tight, but it wasn't because of those things, that would be my excuse, it was because of me. Even as a pastor, I was not, I was reading it, I was preaching it, I was teaching it, but I was not walking according to it. And I became a lot of things that I dislike. I look back now and think, how could I have gotten where I got? I got so bad in, in some of the things that I was struggling with in my own personal self that at one point in time, uh, I, I wanted to kill myself. I, I just wanted it to be over. I'd rather just, I'd, I don't know, I hope God would receive me, but I'll, I just want to, and it was me getting myself into such a dark place. My wife, again, there, there were times when Kelly should have put the kids in the car, and just drove away somewhere. I went and found somebody to go stay with. I would say that in my, I became very angry, and I don't know, maybe some of you can relate, and I feel like God's supposed to tell me that I'm supposed to share this because maybe that's the case with you, but I came, became so angry at just in general. We had arguments that would explode out of nothing. I'd say that in my house, I have hit everything except for my kids and my wife. I've even kicked the dog a few times, but they were big dogs, so they're okay. We had a steamer trunk in our living room, big uh, antique steamer trunk. I used to kick it across the floor, just in anger. I would leave my wife in the midst of an argument that started out as a discussion and ended up being an argument to the point where she would be sitting on the edge of the bed sobbing because of the way I was talking to her. And then later, long time later, I'd come back and apologize for how I was acting. So she could have left But instead, what she chose to do was to stay strong in her faith, to walk according to God's word, and to pray for me. Now, ladies, I I know you may be sitting, yeah, you don't know what my husband's like, or maybe there's somebody online. Prayer does change things. She prayed, and she prayed a lot during those days. And she walked as a godly woman. I look back and I'm thinking, I, I, I remember how you acted. Why? Why? With what I was giving, why would you do that? But as she prayed and as she walked, 
even when I was not doing my part, and that's key to what we're going to study, even when I was not doing my part, she did her part. Perfection? No. There is no such thing as perfection. Well, we're perfectly saved by Jesus, amen? So, But then something started to change in me. God's conviction came over me heavily, and start, I started investing back into God's word, not to teach it or to, to preach it or whatever, but to, but to live it for me. My prayer life exploded, and I started listening to the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit had to say. He'd been speaking to me all along. You know that, right? Sometimes you, he, he, I've been talking to a lot of people about the Holy Spirit lately, about how to hear and listen for it, but I believe that if you're saved, you have that Holy Spirit, Amen. You have that relationship, but sometimes we struggle to hear it. We talk too much. I'm a talker. We talk too much. We don't listen. We don't wait upon the Lord. But He'd been talking to me all, all along. So at that point, I started to honor my wife in the way that she should be treated. She's truly an amazing woman. Here's one thing I can tell you about my wife. You know, in all of this, and some of you ladies can can confirm this, and maybe some of you guys as well. When the spouse is not, sometimes they, people like to get together and just sit and complain about complain about your spouse. Maybe you experienced that at work. <clears throat> Here's something I can guarantee you, 100%, that she's never, ever sat anywhere and complained about me to anybody. She had something to say. She said it to me. That takes a lot. That's, that's the focus. So I believe that my wife, and I want to use that as an example, is the perfect example what it means to submit to a husband because of what God did for her. Okay? She did it to please the Lord. So our arguments, people go, well, arguments. So how do you and Kelly argue effectively? We don't. Not anymore. We have disagreements. I can be a grumpy guy once in a while. I can. Can you, how many, how many guys, guys, raise your hand. How many of you can be just be a grump sometime? Day, work didn't go right, smacked your finger, you come in, and who do you take it out on? That wife, right? We can, we can do that. But it came back into balance. So I, if people say, when's the last time you argued? I can't really remember. We have disagreements. We discuss things. But an argument like we used to have, it has been so long, I can't even remember. So it can get to that place. I'm not perfect. There's no perfection in this, okay? There is no perfection there is God's word and walking according to God's word, and that's what we want to talk about today. So the scripture that we have before us, starting, we're going to start in verse 21. John taught last week. I want to say that I send a lot of people to that latter half. If you've been, if you've counseled with me, I want to admit a little bit of a fault. I've sent you to Ephesians chapter 22 on to read that and reread that as so you can understand what we're supposed to do as husbands and wives. But honest truth is to get the true perspective of that, you have to weigh back up. In fact, you could read the whole book of Ephesians. In fact, you could read the whole book of God's word because it all comes down to what God's word says, what he's done with us. But even in the book of Ephesians, if you backed up to chapter four and started reading, I think that would be very helpful as you come into this so that you understand uh, what Paul talking about the unity that should be in the body of Christ because it flows into the marriage. He talks about maturity in our faith and our daily walks. He tells us, in verse 17, that we even need to change the way we think based on what's going on out in the world, right? Because of why? Because of what God did for us. That's why we need to change our thinking. And last week, Pastor John taught that we are to be imitators of God. And that's, wow, that's a big one, right? Because we know we now walk in the light and there are things we must do and we must not do. In fact, it's stated in chapter 5, verse 15 and 17, Ephesians 5, 15 and 17. Be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Okay? Those are key words as we move forward in the Scripture. What does God say? Plain and simple, what does he say? So before Paul jumps into the specific of marriage, he finishes off, and again, this was a letter, so the little headers that you have, they weren't there, okay? The, the, the chapters and verses, that's just man's thing. This was a letter that was written. So I see verse 21 just flowing into this, and it starts out in verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Pretty straightforward, amen? 
fact, most of the people in the church would say, amen to that. We submit to one another. Unity in the church. Who is the church, by the way? All of us. Okay? He tells us to submit to one another. I don't got a problem with that. You have a problem with that? I don't have a problem with that. The word submit here is a military word. We talked about this, uh, Pastor Jim and John and I. Uh, hupotasso, it's a, in the Greek. And it, now, keep in mind, Paul was sitting in prison when he wrote this, okay? So he's surrounded by guards and authorities and soldiers and such. So uh, quite good reason that he would be speaking in military terms and using that term because he was surrounded by this. But the word means, first of all, the word is a, uh, with Jim, Pastor Jim Self, the, the present middle participle. So it's continuous and ongoing. It's not just a one-time thing. I submitted to you once. It's always, it's, that's how we live as the church. And, it's, and it's, we're co-participants in this action. So as, as we were going to see, we're doing this. God did his part. Now it's ours to do our part. Amen. So the word submitting, let's look at that, literally means to be under rank, in rank. It's a military word. How many military folks we have in here? Or past, or so, you know, there you go. You can raise your hand, Ed. And I told you I would call you out in the sermon because he was being ornery with me out in the sanctuary. So there's number one. There you go. Thank you. Thank you guys for your service. Thank you for online, anybody who's served. It's a, military, it's a military word, and it speaks of the way that the army is organized. You guys know that if you've served within the military. There's rank. There's generals, colonels, majors, uh, captains, sergeants, privates, levels of rank, and there is obligation to respect those who are in a higher rank, right? It, it doesn't mean that the private that comes into the military is not smarter than all of them, and some of you who have served, you think, oh, yeah, I knew some. They thought they knew something, but I, I, knew, I knew better than they. It doesn't mean that they're not small, smart or smarter or more talented or a better person. It just means you're not submitting to the general, or as a person, you're submitting to the general because he's a general. Okay? Does that make sense? Sex, the idea of submission doesn't have anything to do with someone being smarter or better or more talented. It has to do with God's appointed order. Anyone who has served in the armed forces knows that rank has to do with everything. And you know what happens when you don't. What would there be like in the military if you didn't respect rank? And unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of that nowadays. The younger people that are starting to just disrespect authority and rank. Is it making its way into the military? I don't like that. I don't like that. There has to be order. There has to be uh, uh, to function as it needs to or what's, you know, it's mutiny. There'd be chaos. So when it talks about submitting to one another, I think that means all of us. We submit to one another in in different ways and at different times, but it's ongoing. I have no problem submitting to you. In fact, we have leaders within this church that lead a thing, and I would submit to them because they've been given that position of authority to to lead in that area. If I was at one of your home fellowship, I'm going to submit to you because this is where God's given you that authority to be. doesn't mean that there's not rank within it, but what it kind of comes down to is this team mentality. There is nobody better. I am not better than you. Pastor Jim is not better than you. We are on an equal playing field. Now each one of us has different responsibilities. Pastor Jim will stand before God when it comes to this church and what goes on within this church. And so, we, yes, I give him submission. I give him, I honor him. It's a team mentality, though. So there is no one that's better than another. And unfortunately, we see a lot of submission that should be happening in society that, that not, it's not, that tells me that God's coming soon, amen? How many of you want God's, how many of you have prayed that within the last month? Okay, God, this would be a good time to come right now. So we see that general submission, and now Paul's going to go specifically into the marriage relationship, and he starts out in verse 22, and he says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop right there because there's some women that are gritting their teeth right now. Just be honest, right? Got to be honest before God's word, right? You don't understand. You don't know what he's like. You don't know what he's done. You don't know. No, no, no. You're gritting your teeth going, I, I, I'm, I. And some husbands want to do the whole mic drop, right? Boom. Yeah. Submit to me. I got it. You know, attitude, <laughs> a little bit of pride. You know, we want to just stop right there. And I say, oh, no, guys you got a whole lot farther to read in this chapter before you want to make that comment. But 
the emphasis that we see in rank and order does not change from verse 21 to 22. It's still the same word. Okay? Now it's just much more specific. Submission of the wife to the husband, everything still applies. And when it comes to counseling sometimes, I have it in my office. Maybe you're one of them. I would never call you out by name. But you, I've had a couple sit in my office and when we talk about these things and putting things back in the correct order, I've had her look at me and go, nope. Not until he changes am I going to do anything. By the way, if that's ever a struggle of yours, Kathy gave me a book here. I brought it out here, Kathy. Uh, she said I could give it away to somebody. So if you're needing it, it's, a, uh, it's, it's by um, Chuck and Nancy Missler, and it's about uh, why I should change first. It's not just for the wife. It's for the husband as well, I believe, so why I should change first, if that's a struggle where you're at. And that's what this comes down to. In this scripture, what I often hear as we even this, open this whole thing, well, I will do it if he does it. Or I will do it if she'll do what she's supposed to do. But you don't understand. She's not doing what she's supposed to. He's not doing what she's supposed to. And so I'm, I'll just, you know, I'm going to wait. Yes. So it doesn't, you may have a lot of reasons why that's a difficult thing to do. But I want you to notice something. So Pastor Jim wrote a paper. It's out on the counter out there. Pastor John Marcus put them in these nice little uh, colorful folders. And I don't know what the name of this one is. But it talks about, um, it talks about conditions, uh, conditional statements. Statements in the scripture that are like, if you do this, then you'll receive that. And there's a lot that's written to, most of it's written to Christians about, if you do these things, then this is what you'll get. If you don't do these things, this is what you're going to get. But notice something as we read through this, and I mean through the whole rest of this chapter, there is no conditional statements. There is no do this if. So we're, we're, we're focusing on the whys right now. It doesn't say do this if he acts like he's supposed to. It doesn't say that. I could give you a lot of gushy, squishy reasons why your husband would love it if you were in that kind of mindset as you go forward, but that's not what it says. It just says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And that second part of that is key. In the same way that Christ submitted to the Father, you're to submit to your husband. To what extent? How, what does that mean? What's that look like? Do I have to do everything that he brings up? No. I mean, no. I mean there's, if it's illegal, if it's immoral, absolutely not. And it's not even the correct picture because it doesn't say obey. We do say that in, why do we say that? Why is that in the, the I wonder why that's in the marital thing, love, honor, and obey. Did you say that to anyone you married pups? Did you say obey? She's looking at him. <laughs> he said no. Uh, nope, she didn't say that. Uh, it should be more submit, really, is a better way to put it. There is no obey. It's not some authority where I'm walking around directing my wife, go do this, go do that. And some of you do, and that's not okay. That's not a proper relationship. This is the one rule that God gives wives, and it is, it is very difficult to do, but it is. Let's get the full context of why God says to do this. Let's read, let's read that again and, and a little bit forward, starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your, yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also, wives, submit yourselves, submit to your husbands in everything. It literally has nothing to do with your husband. It doesn't. There's no condition in there about him. The only thing that it says is that your job is to submit to him. Now, I know that some of you may think, and there may be somebody online, I'm sure I'll get some comments on the YouTube video, I chauvinist, you pig. You know, feminism has crept in. I don't know if you consider yourself a feminist, and I'm not here to offend you, but feminism, and I've seen this through some others that I know, has crept into uh, Christianity, and it's not good. And I'll tell you why. And if you're a feminist, and you, if, let me ask, I want to I say this, because I've seen this in others. I see feminism creep, creep in as a, as a defense against what he has done and what he has been. I need to be a strong woman because him. Give yourself a check in that because then you shouldn't be going off into something that protects yourself, but let's start to deal what the problem is. Let's start to deal with you, first of all. And I want to share this. I know somebody who 
uh, it's a, a military relationship. And I, I want to say something about you military guys. You know, sometimes, uh, quite often when I have my office and there's, there's issues of what, whatever, um, I'll be, maybe probably because we have a lot of military families in this church, there's usually a military guy involved. And what I've, I've noticed over time is that unfortunately God has, not God, military has tried to create men who are, and probably women too, who are unfeeling and uncaring about what they have to do. I mean, you don't want a guy on the battlefield having to go out there with his gun and crying every time he pulls the trigger. You want someone who could do what needs to be done without thinking about the repercussions of it. And unfortunately, that oftentimes comes into a marriage as well. But I know of a military family, not at this church, who that was the case, and uh, they, uh, the wife was like, I don't know what to do. I can't put up with this. And arguments and all of these things. And so this wife found out that through the military, um, there is counseling available for military spouses. And the cool part about it is she was actually able to find a Christian counselor within the military the services that were available. So I'm assuming that's probably available around here. And the great part about that was that that was a woman that was counseling her that understands military life. But what she fed into this woman was not how to go change her husband. Really didn't. There was nothing that she was supposed to do except for pray for her husband, but it was all about her and, and walking according to God's word. And I can tell you that this person has, has brought, came back to me and said, you, have, you cannot believe what has changed in my marriage. Everything has changed. He's changed. Because she did. Because she found joy and hope in the Lord and guidance from the Lord. I digress from what I was saying, but that's very important. We do it not for him. Yes, we, you care about your marriage, you love your husband. But it, this has to do with obedience to God's word. Can I say it again? It has to do with obedience to God's word. We too often want to take ourselves away from that and not walk according to God's word wherever it's at. I don't like that verse. Well, there are some verses I don't like. Be honest, right? Have you ever read one like, oh, gosh. I don't like some verses, but it's still requ- I'm required to walk according to that if I want the blessings of God, if I want his best, and I do. And we see that, he was, that God created husband as the head, that man was created first. Wife was created, if you read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for you. So somebody that's going to be a co-partner in this life. And then, and, and then if you go forward, you'll see that it says that in verse 24, this is why man leaves his father and mother is united to his wife and they become one flesh. And we're going to read that a little bit later here in this scripture as well. I'm just going to say this before we move on. If you want the best husband that you can get, you must do this. You must. You've got to work through whatever is holding you back from that and deal with those things. If you have an abusive husband, okay, we need to deal with that, okay? If you have a husband that's, that's putting his hands on you and there's something going on there, or if there's been infidelity, that could lead to, that could lead to the marriage ending, but... but, but Let's put ourselves in that place first. And it doesn't make you inferior. We have to understand that. It doesn't make you anything less. Because, again, you're one flesh. My wife and I are one flesh. I couldn't function properly. I mean, think about that. When you take that to the full context, how could I function if half of me is gone? I'd fall over. I would fall over, literally. She, with all that she brings to the marriage, because her submission is not her silence, at all. We are involved 100% in, together, one another, in how we deal with decisions, how we go forward. We are team players. It is a team effort. We are a marriage. We are one flesh. And so we are involved. We spend time in prayer. We, spend, we, we do these things together. When there's decisions, we make them together. But so not only does she submit to me as, as my specific role, what that does is this. She expects me to take that lead. She expects me to step up. Come on, old man. What's, what are we going to do here? How are we going to handle this? She encourages me. She builds me up. She even submits when I'm wrong. And I'm hardly ever wrong. 
Pastor Jim's laughing again. But she does. Without her and what she is as a woman in Christ, doing what God's put upon her, it wouldn't work. Half can't be make, make a whole. So our, to, to be the best marriage that we can. But she doesn't, it wasn't required. There was a time when I did not do what I was supposed to do, which we're about ready to read, and she still walked in that way, but it made the change in our marriage. Husbands, uh, we got to move on, guys. We like that first part a lot, but what does it say about husbands in Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Does that not like sink a heavy weight onto your chest when you read that and think about what that means? That Jesus' attitude towards the church should be the pattern in which we love our wives and how we love our wives. Even sometimes given to the undeserving. When I was reading this, I was taken back to that, that movie, what was it called? Oh, Fireproof. Remember, the, did you all see the movie Fireproof? Have you, how many of you have seen the movie Fireproof? So some of you haven't. If you're married, if you ever want it, that's a great movie to, to revisit. And then it, it talks about, there's an actual book out there called Love Dare. And it was about a man whose marriage was about ready to tank. His wife was not walking where she should. But he picked up the mantle of this task of showing her every day how much he loved her. And doing things and acting, not just saying it. So what does it look like for you to love your wife as Christ loved the church? Well, Christ loved the church so much that he laid down his life for it. He sacrificed his self for it. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. That's a big task, isn't it? Because that really makes it look like in my life, I don't matter. I don't. She does. How many wives would just glow with that knowledge if you came to them and said, I don't matter. I matter. You matter. I want to invest in you. I want to love you like God loves the church, like Christ loves the church. Now, some husbands think that because God said that they're the head of the home, unfortunately, uh, that their wife is somehow ob uh, obligated to submit in ways that are probably very worldly. And they do not have to be humble or they don't have to lay down their lives or sacrifice for the benefit of their wives. Uh, so uh, worldly headship says this. Worldly headship says, I am the head, so you take orders from me and you must do whatever I want. Godly headship says, I'm your head, so I must care for you and serve you. Worldly submission says, you must submit to me, so here are the things I want you to do for me. But Godly submission says, you must submit to me, so I am accountable before God for you. I must care for you and serve you. That's the kind of servant that we need to be. That's the kind of love that we need to have for our wives. And if you don't have it, any of these things that we don't have, this is a great time to just go, God, I, I, I want to change. I want to repent. I want to I get back to where I need to. Starting in verse 26, as we pick up the text again, uh, it says, to make, again, off of what we just read, um, loving your wife as Christ loved the church, to, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of water through the word, and to present her to himself as radiant church without stain or wrinkle, without any blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, obviously, what Christ did for us to, to cleanse us from all sin, no, no husband has the, the ability to do that. We don't. We don't have the, the power the, the, to, to be able to cleanse our wife from all sin. But we, what we can do and what we must do according to this scripture, if this is a no, we, we have to do this, is to take an active and a caring interest in our wife's spiritual health. 
Did you hear that? Because some aren't. I've had you in my office. I've listened to you guys talk. Some of you, I do my thing. She does hers over here. I think she's doing okay. I don't know. She comes with me to church. We say grace before we, we eat, you know. So I think everything's okay. But do you know? You're a priest of your own home. That, that you, do you not realize? So in Scripture we see that as pastors and leaders, because God's given us this flock, we will stand before God to give an answer of what you did with what, we've been, what I gave you. Amen? You guys agree with that? Gonna be, he's going to be standing. We will be behind him, but he'll be standing up front. I didn't do that. No. We, he will give an account for what he's been given. Do you not? I see the same for men, for men. Husbands, you will give an account for what you have been given. How did you treat that woman? How did you raise those children? What have you done for your grandkids? Because I put you in that spot. I gave you that. You have a responsibility. I told you in Scripture, it's your job to make sure she's, she's okay, that she's walking in the way that she can. They can't, can't make her happen, but that you take an active interest in her relationship. The, a good husband encourages his wife, if, if not leads by example, probably better, regular study in God's worth for both him and his wife. Think about that real quick as you're sitting here, as you're watching this. Did you, can you remember the last time that your spouse got their Bible out in front of you or you saw them or you discussed some piece of Scripture that you read? If not, maybe that's a good discussion for this afternoon. Hey, have you read anything lately? Because if, if that's lacking, then start to invest in her or him to get back to where you need to be and to get back into that, and also to study together. How many, well, I won't put you to make you raise your hands, but how many of you study with your spouse? Kelly and I do it on and off. It's not all the time. In fact, we've just been talking about picking up another study as we kind of come into fall right now uh, and, and doing a study together. If you haven't done that, it's really good just to pick a book, book of the Bible and to, to read through and then just to sit there and talk about it, talk about what you see in it. Maybe you've been, you read it before and you're, you're, you're praying about what those things are. There's sometimes my wife puts me on the spot, and she will you too. I don't understand what that means. Can you tell me? And then you as a husband are responsible to know the answer to that or to find the answer to that, to look it up and to be able to explain it to her. It's great to do that. If you have kids, I know it can be a little challenging, but I encourage you to try and find a time that you can do that. Just try it one time through. Pick a book. I'll give you one. The book of James was great. That was the last book we did. We loved that. We really enjoyed going through that. The book of James, not a long book. You can go through that. Great study to do together. We enjoyed that. And then regular prayer, that you spend time in prayer, not only apart, but together. And I've told you this before, uh, as I've taught, that Kelly and I, when we have a decision to make, um, we'll talk about it, and, and then we'll start praying about it, and we'll pray together, and then we'll pray separately, and then usually we come back together and go, so what do you think? And if it's something that she's like, I don't know, I've got some red flags about this. I, oh God, well then okay, we're not doing it. We're going to hold off. Well, something's... Maybe we need to look in to see what that was. I told you, you laughed at when I said it, but one of the last things, we, I wanted to buy a smoker. And it was a lot of money. So it's like we were praying, we, we prayed about it. Well, should we do this? Do we have the funds for this? What would have to, you know, we made the decision and we bought it. Oh, thank God, I love her. It, smoked meats. But we prayed about it and then we made that decision together. And that happens through that, and so that can be, that, that, pick that up, guys. Pray with your wives. I would even say that, and this is something I share in counseling too, if an argument breaks out in your home and things are getting heated, I think as the guys, I put more weight on you, you guys need to say, wait, 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 stop. We need to pray. And I will tell you, one of the most attractive things you can do is put your arms around your wife and pray for the discussion you're having. Some of you, one person said, uh-uh. Nope, not going to grab the tiger. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, oh, wow. Okay, well, pray within close proximity. Then kind of do the. That's funny. But most wives, when I say that and we're in the office, I can see because I watch kind of out of the corner of my eyes, and I can see wives going. I would love that. They would love that you would do that. 
to take it to prayer, take things constantly to God's word. So again, you have a responsibility for your wife's spirituality. And unfortunately, what's happened is some of you have switched. Well, she's the spiritual leader in the house. No. She can be a part of that, be in that with you, but you have a responsibility, guys. It's time to pick up our swords. It's, it's, time, to be, it's time to be good leaders in our home. It's, it's time to, 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 to say, well, I'm not very smart. She's really smart, and I would say that about my wife. She has, a, she has gifts and talents I don't have, and that's why we're together as one flesh, but I have to then work extra hard to be able to do what I need to do, and that may be you. You may need to pick it up and say, I gotta start studying God's extra hard because I wanna make sure that she's taken care of and that I bring scriptures to her and encourage her. Yeah. Amen. Man must love his wife also as he does his own body. Let's read in verse 28, starting in 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love your wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and cared for his body just as Christ does the church. For we are all members of his body. For this reason, man will leave his wife and mother and be united with his, uh, will leave a man, will leave his father and mother, be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about the church. One flesh. Struggle with that? I think a lot of guys do. We can be, in, be a little selfish, you know. You can kind of lean on that whole submit part, put we're one flesh, but one flesh, but I'm the upper, I'm the, you know, I'm the head, I'm all of this, and we can get that, that out of context. And we, you are one flesh. Bible, you know, Adam and Eve, we see that that, you know, she came from your flesh in, in, in that scripture. But, I think that for men, we need to really pick up that thought process. For, not for all men. I think some of you got it down. But we need to get that idea in our head that this is not me. I am one half of this. Actually, one third. Christ is the other third. But I am, it's not just me. It's, it's, it's us together. It's us functioning together. It's us making decisions together. It's us working together. And I think you should try and work on making that, that, that scripture dominate the way you think. Because you take really good care of yourself. Well, some of you do. Uh, I don't know. Just come on, guys. I feed myself well. Some people look at Kelly and go, do you let her eat? Yes, I do. She just makes sure that I get fed really well. So, My body is her body. My life is her life. I don't make choices outside of this understanding. I don't make choices of things I just want to do. In fact, I was having a discussion with somebody with yesterday. So uh, you, some of you know Pastor Jim's priest that he was a motorcycle guy. And now I've got John back there, Pastor John, and he's like hardcore motorcycle guy. And, and so they're like, you should get a bike, man. I'm like, oh, I want to get a bike. I'm going to get a bike. That'll be cool. We'll ride. And my wife said, no. And at first I'm like, tell me no. But then she said, honey, I worry. You know, you, you are easily distracted. I am. Squirrel, you know, I'm, I'm that guy. So I can't, that's not good. But since that very time, and had I got a motorcycle, I every once in a while struggle with vertigo now. I've never had vertigo in my life. And my wife has struggled with it for a very long time in her life. And God wanted me to understand what that was like. So he allowed me to have vertigo now. But that would be a very bad thing to be on a motorcycle when you have vertigo. So I'm thankful. I listen to that. It's, it's, it's her life as much as it is mine. So I don't make decisions like that. I've even, I haven't done it yet. You'll see this. But I, I wanted a tattoo once. Um, we had a tattoo artist in the church. And I'm like, I want to get a tattoo and like this. And she's like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't think I don't like that. I don't like tattoos. And then and then it changed one day. She's like, okay, well, if you're gonna do something, do something big and manly. Wow. Except big and manly is expensive, so I haven't gotten that done yet. But maybe like a little dove right there. That would.
Her choices, her decisions, her input comes into everything I do, everything, because we are one flesh. And we, again, we see that one flesh doesn't really come naturally. You have, to, you have to study God's Word. You have to understand this piece of Scripture and others to understand that God did that for a reason. So He wants us to function in that way. And some of you aren't, and some marriages aren't. But can I tell you, it doesn't matter where your marriage is at right now. Well, we'll get there. It can be fixed. I guarantee it, 100%. It is said that a successful marriage is an edifice that must be rebuilt every day. A successful marriage is something that we must work at every day. Every day. Amen? And then it finishes up in 32 and 33. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about uh, Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love your wife. He says it again, reiterates it. Love your wife as you love yourself, and a wife must respect her husband. And I have often said kind of, and probably very wrong as I studied through this, you know, guys, you make her job a whole lot easier of submitting if you'll do your part, which is true, but there is no if at the beginning of that. You still have the responsibility, but you can make it easier, and vice versa. You want him to love you like this, you want to, then you have to invest in that. But they're not dependent on one another. They really aren't. It's required regardless. So, as we finish things up here, marriage is not where it should be. Things aren't good. What should you do? First of all, start with something that is hard. Forgiveness. You know what unforgiveness is, right? You've heard that statement? Unforgiveness is like taking poison and hoping the other person dies. Isn't it true? Quite often they have no idea that you're holding something against them. So you're doing damage to yourself in unforgiveness. Even if, even if things don't change, to come to a place of forgiveness. I have a, pa- a pastor friend, well, not pastor actually. Um, many of you saw we put out uh, the family, the Marquez family, Alex and Ruthie Marquez lost a son a couple weeks ago to in a car accident or a motorcycle accident. And Alex is, uh, Alex, we were there on the, just the other day for the memorial service and he, he preached. Um, and by the way, this is the second son that they've lost. Three years ago, they lost another son to suicide. So that's two sons, three years. I can't even fathom that. But... But I see Alex walking in such a really good place, even with that. And it's because he knows the Lord that he serves. I know that for Alex because we counsel together regularly. He has a counseling process that's called Theophostics, and it really deals with letting the Lord take you to the place of unforgiveness so that you can give forgiveness because that unforgiveness drives so much in our lives. It can make us be something that we're not supposed to be because we can't deal with that forgiveness. So I say all that to say I have resources that are not even within this church. If you ever have counseling needs, I have, I have other people that I can recommend it to. We can do things like that. Some of you sitting in this room have done theophostics with Alex and found some healing as well. It's my office. Forgiveness needs to start first. And forgiveness, let's be clear on this, forgiveness is not, we always wait till I feel like forgiving. Well, if he's a jerk or she's a jerk, God, when are you going to feel that? When are you going to feel it? Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. You choose to forgive. Even because I feel this way and you hurt me, I just don't want this on my heart anymore, so I am going to forgive you and let it go by. And that may be with somebody, maybe you're here today, you say, my husband's not around or my wife's not around anymore. Okay, still, if you're holding unforgiveness, it's damaging you. Let it go. Isn't there a song in Frozen like that? I'm not singing it. (laughs) Let it go. (laughs) The dance. Colossians 3. 12 through 17, Colossians 3, 3, 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Listen closely. This is for all of us, not just marriage, just this is what we're to do. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, 
gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all of these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body are you called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father. Okay? Start with forgiveness. In fact, when we go to, we're going to have a worship here, and you can come on up, pups, with the band. We're going to do just a little bit of worship here, and then we're going to do this baptism. But I want to just suggest something to you. If your marriage is, if you're sitting here today and you're like, "Mm, things have not been good, when we sing, why don't you lean over to your spouse and say, I'm, I'm sorry, I want this to change. If they're not here, text them, hey. That's what we do right now, you text everything. I'm, I'm really sorry how I've been acting. Would you, would you forgive me? I, I want to work on going forward from this, and I want to do different. I want to be different. That's the great part in God's Word. There's always a chance to change things. And then we've got to take some steps after that. Don't let it stop right there. If you need some help, you come forward. Talk to me. I do counseling. Pastor John's doing some counseling. I have other resources as well. Pastor Jim does as well. And we, we, we want to just help you. We want to come alongside you and encourage you. But if forgiveness doesn't start it, it's not going to go anywhere. And then we put God's word into practice. And we act accordingly. And if your spouse is not here and you say, you know what? Uh, things aren't good, but I'm just going to... I don't know what to do. I'm kind of all on my own. Okay. Do what it says for you. Whether your husband or your wife, do what it says. Even if it's not received, do what it says. It is God's word. He is not a liar. He gave it to us for a reason. Let's walk according to it, whether it's here or anywhere else. Amen? Amen. Father God, Mm, you're a good God. And there's tough passages that we're going to face in Scripture. This is just one of them. There's things I read sometimes that I think, how on earth can I do this? And the only way I can do it is through your power and your strength. So, Father God, in this place today, maybe online, I don't know, there's somebody who may watch this down the road. Uh, Lord, there may be some that are looking at the Scripture and going, I don't know how to do this. Well, on our own, we can't. But in your strength and in your power and the leading of your Holy Spirit, we can.